David not only was a poor disciplinarian, he didn't discipline his children, he had his problems, but yet they loved the God that he loved. That is so good. That when you die or I die, when our children stand before people and our grandchildren, they'll be able to say, I love the God that my grandpa or my dad loved. That's important. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Continuing in 1 Kings, Roll will encourage you to consider the positive impact you can make for the Lord as a person of integrity and industry. You'll see that just as David's character won the admiration of other kings and Solomon's diligence resulted in a magnificent temple for God, your faithful devotion will honor the Lord throughout all eternity. If you have your Bible, join us in 1 Kings chapter 5. Here's Raul Reese. There's a lot of laborious reading in some of the chapters, so we're going to try to move on as quickly as we can. But it's the story now of Solomon. And in chapter 5, Solomon works a business deal with King Hiram of Tyra for some cedars and workmen to build his houses and to build the house of the Lord. Now, it's pretty incredible because look at chapter 5, verses 1. It says, And now Hiram, king of Tyra, sent his servants to Solomon, because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, and for Hiram had always loved David. Interesting. But it's pretty interesting because here it says that King Hiram loved David. So here we have now, Solomon making a request from Hiram because Hiram was a great admirer of King David. Because David was a man of integrity. And David loved his God. And Hiram somehow got to not only honor the Lord God of David. So David made a great impact in the life of Hiram. And they became friends for life. And now that his son is taking over and his son is coming into power, and Hiram is going to help him to build the house of God. We need to be careful of relationships that we make. And so it's really important that here we see that now Solomon is coming to the place where not only he has all this money, and of course his debt has saved a lot of money for the building of the temple, And now he's going to build a house for God. Remember, David could never build a house for God. He was able to gather the materials and the money. But he said, God said to him, you cannot because you're a man of blood. But your son is going to build me a house. Verse 2. And then Solomon sent to Hiram saying, so now he writes a letter to the king. You know how my father, David, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which he were fought against him on every side until the Lord put his enemies under the soles of his feet. But now 
The Lord my God has given me rest on every side. Imagine that. The reason that God gave Solomon peace is because of David his father. Because of David's faithfulness to his God. It brought peace even into the second generation. To his son Solomon. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrences. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. And the Lord Jehovah spoke to my father David saying, Your son whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build the house for my name. Now, something interesting here. Here is Solomon going back, writing a letter to the king of Tyre, and letting him know how God led him and guided him, and how God had his hand on David, and how God made a promise to David, and God kept his promise with Solomon. I think of our own personal lives, those of us that are married, and we have children. And some of us have grandchildren. That if we continue to serve the Lord, if we continue to be faithful to the Lord, and we're obedient to the Word of God, and we focus on what God not only has done in the past, but what He's doing in the present, and looking to the future, imagine what God can do with our children, and our grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. We're setting the pace. David set the pace for his children. And that's why it's so important that from generation to generation we pass it on. Teaching our children and our grandchildren who God is. It's really important as we see the life of Solomon and others that we will see. How David not only was a poor disciplinarian. He didn't discipline his children. He had had his problems. But yet they love the God that he loved. That is so good. That when you die or I die, when our children stand before people and our grandchildren, they'll be able to say, I love the God that my grandpa or my dad loved. That's important. Because he's such a great God. He's doing so much and he's done so much. And here we have the proof with Solomon himself. He said, your son whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house in notice for my name. You see, this is the first time Solomon, that he's not only fulfilling the word of God that God has given to him, but notice that God's dream of building that house. Now Solomon is going to have the privilege of building that house. Verse 6. And now therefore command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon. So what they did is, he's asking the king if they can cut down their forest. He'll buy the trees from them and then send the trees down from Tyra in the Mediterranean and come down all the way down to Jaffa there in Tel Aviv and unload them and then carry them by horseback, whatever, all the way up to Jerusalem. They have a way of doing it by rafts. They would bring the wood. Notice that. He says, and my servants will be with your servants, and I will pay your wages from your servants according to whatever you say. You name the price, and I'll pray for their labor. 
For you know there is none among us who was skilled to cut timber like the Sidonians. I mean, they were the expert timbermen in Lebanon. And so it was, when Hiram heard the words of Solomon, that he rejoiced greatly and said, check this out, Blessed be the Lord this day, for He has given David a wise son over this great people. Imagine that. Sounds like he knows the Lord. Sounds like David shared the Lord with him. Here is the king of another country. Supposed to be his enemy, but they're friends. They've built a bridge between Israel and Lebanon. And here Hiram is rejoicing over David's son Solomon because of the Lord. Because of what God has done. Notice that he thanks God for the blessings that he's giving to his son Solomon. He thanks God for that. Verse 8. And then Hiram said to Solomon saying, I have considered the message which you sent to me. And I will do all your desire concerning the cedars of Cyprus logs. And my servants shall bring them down from Lebanon by the Mediterranean up to Jaffa. And I will float them on rafts or logs by the sea to the place you indicate to me. And I will have them broken apart there. And then you can take them away and you shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. The deal is you feed my men. That's what we'll deal with. You feed them, and I'll bring the logs for the building. And then Hiram gave Solomon cedars and cypresses, logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat, literally 125,000 bushels of wheat. And for his household, and then 20 cores of pressed oil, 115,000 gallons of olive oil. Imagine that, of olive oil. And thus Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. This was the yearly ration given every year. And so the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, as he had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. And then King Solomon raised up labor forces out of all Israel. And the labor forces was 30,000 men. Can you imagine that? 30,000 men in labor. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Raul is joining us to talk about why we as believers should go to the land of Israel. Pastor Raul? I think that people should go to Israel. If they read the Bible, they should go to Israel because they're going to read the Bible different and the Bible is going to speak to them in such a way that now when I used to read it, let's see, where's Beersheba? Where's uh, Jerusalem? When you read it, you're going to picture in your mind Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, the Sea of Galilee, uh, Tiberias, all these places that you're going to and learning about God's Word, you need to go. If you ever want to have the Bible come alive, you need to go to Israel. It will blow you away when you come back. Thanks, Raul. Well, mark your calendar for April 2nd through 13th of 2024 for this amazing trip to the land of Israel. If you'd like to get a brochure or more information, visit somebodylovesyou.com. Let's continue now with more of today's study. And then he sent them to Lebanon. And check this out. 
And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months home. <laughs> they went to work for one month and two months off. Notice that. And then he says, Adoradim was in charge of the lay forces. And then Solomon had uh, 70,000 laborers, common laborers, who carried burdens, and 80,000 who quarried stones in the mountains. They were stone cutters. They were cutting stone for the temple and the house of the Lord. Besides 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon, deputies who supervised the people for notice the labor in the work. Notice how many supervisors he had to watch over the people. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, godly stones, and to cut stones and lay the foundation of the temple. Now, it's interesting because I've been to Jerusalem so many times, and there by the Jaffa Gate, over by Mount Calvary, there's a gate. And if you walk through this gate, it will take you underneath the city of Jerusalem. And when you get down inside of the quarries, you'll begin to see that there's caves probably 10 times bigger than this hall. Huge and bigger as you go down into the city. This is the place where the very stones for the temple were cut in the bottom of the city. Down in the city, they used to cut them. And then he says this. He says, they cut down the stones and to lay the foundation to the temple. And then Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gibeonites carried them. And they prepared timber and stones to build a temple. Chapter 6. And it came to pass in the 480th year, after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, and the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Zip, between April and May, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. Notice that here he begins to do what? He begins to date the building of the temple according to the Jewish calendar. Again, 480 years. Here he is now beginning to build the house of the Lord. Verse 2. And now the house which the king Solomon built for the Lord, its slain was 60 cubits with 20, and its height was 30 cubits. So it was literally 90 feet long, 45 feet high, and 30 feet high. Now, what's really amazing is that 90 feet long, and 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. So it was literally two stories. Uh, 30 feet is one story. When they let you build in the city today, you can't go higher than some place 30 feet. 60 feet would be actually four stories. So here you have this temple that is building two stories. Then he says, the vestitude in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits, Long across, and the width of the house, and the width of the visible extended 10 cubits from the front of the house. So it was 30 feet long by 50 feet, uh, literally in front of it. He made for the house windows with velvet frames. Against the wall of the temple, he built chambers all around. Against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary, the inner sanctuary. And he made side chambers all around it. And the lowest chamber was seven and a half feet wide. 
And then in the middle, it was nine feet wide. And on the third, it was ten and a half feet wide. For he made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple so that the support beams, the support beams would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And then the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry underneath the city, so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. And then the doors, verse 8, and the doors for the middle story was on the right side of the temple. Then they went up by stairs in the middle story and from the middle of the third. And what's really neat here now in verse 7 is now the temple is going to be constructed. First he builds, and we'll see in a moment, he builds his house. He builds a house for his wives. And then he builds the temple of God. Three buildings are going to be going on building his house, his wives, and the temple at the same time. Then again, the temple in the Old Testament was a place where God would meet the people as the priests would go into the temple and offer their sacrifices. And now we have become in the New Testament, what? The temple of the living God. 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17, chapter 6, 18 and 19. Know you not that you are the temple of the living God, and if any man defile the temple of God, God himself shall destroy that person. Now, God didn't live in the temple in the Old Testament. But notice in the New Testament, God lives in our temple. Our bodies, when we come to Christ, He makes His habitation in our bodies, spiritually speaking, dwelling within us. Verse 9, And then He built the temple and finished it. And He paneled the temple with beams and boards of cedars. And then he built side chambers, notice, against the entire temple, each five cubits high. And then they were attached to the temple with the cedar beams. And then the word of the Lord came to Solomon. So here again, God is speaking to Solomon. Second time, look what he says. He said, concerning this temple which you are building, Solomon. And here it is. The Lord's promise now to bless Solomon if conditional, if he obeys God. And that's not only for Solomon, that's for us too. Watch what he says. If you walk in my statutes and execute judgments, keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I, God, Jehovah, will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David. Hey listen, I made a promise to your father, and I'm telling you the only way that I'm going to keep my word, is if you keep your word by being obedient to my word. That's what God desires. Obedience from each one of us individually, in our own personal lives. Then he says this, And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. And so Solomon built the temple and finished it. And then he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards from the floor of the temple to the ceiling. He paneled the inside with wood and he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. And then he built a 20 cubic room in the rear of the temple from floor and ceiling and cedar boards. And he built it inside as the inner sanctuary and the most holy place. And then in front of it in the temple, the sanctuary was 40 cubits long. 
The inside of the temple was cedar carved with ornaments, buds, and open flowers. All the cedar, there was no stone to be seen, so they plated it, covered it. And then he prepared the inner sanctuary inside of the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there, in the most holy place. That's what he's not talking about, where the Ark of the Covenant would be. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits wide and 20 cubits uh, high. He overlaid it with pure gold and overlaid it with uh, the altar with cedars. Notice that when it comes to the building of the things of God, it's gold. When it comes to the building of men, it's brass, speaking of judgment. And here gold speaks of heaven. Notice that, deity. So Solomon overlaid the inside of the temple with pure gold. And he stretched gold chains across the front of the inner chamber. He overlaid it with gold. And the whole temple he overlaid it with gold until he had finished all the temple. Also he overlaid the gold entire altar that was in the inner sanctuary. And inside the inner sanctuary he made two cherubims of olive wood, each ten cubits high. Now, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, the cherubims were made of gold. Here they're made of wood, olive wood. Notice that, not of gold. And then he set the cherubim inside of the inner room, and they stretched out their wings of the cherubim, so that the wings of the one touched one wall, and the wings of the other cherub touched the other wall. And the wings touched each other in the middle of the room. And also he overlaid the cherubim with gold. Then he carved all the walls of the temple all around, both the inner outer sanctuaries, with the carved figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with gold, both the inner and the outer sanctuary. So here's a beautiful picture of what's happening. Verse 31. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary he made doors of olive wood, and the lentil of the doorposts were one-fifth of the wall. The two doors were of olive wood. He carved them with figures of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers and overlaid them with gold, and he spread the gold on the cherubim and the palm trees. Remember, in the Old Testament, in the time when they came out of Egypt, in the Exodus, and then when they built a tabernacle, it was a tent. This is now a building. See, he's building a building now. Totally different. And so the door of the sanctuary, he also made doors of olive wood one-fourth of the wall. And the two doors were of cypress wood, two panels compromised, one folding door, and two panels compromised the other folding door. And then he carved the cherubim palm trees, open flowers on them, and then overlaid them with gold, applied emily on the carved work. And then he built the inner court with three rows of cut-out stone, a row of cedar beams. And in the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Zib, around April or May. And then the eleventh year in the month of Bull, which is October or November, which is the eighth month in the house was finished, and all the details according to all its plans. So he was seven years building it. Seven years building the house of God. I don't know if you ever build a house, but it is a pain. Seriously, building is the hardest thing. And those of you that are in construction, you know what I'm talking about. Imagine the work that went into the building of the tabernacle and the building of Solomon's temple. All the gold, the beauty of it. 
Incredible, incredible house he built for the Lord. We hope you've been encouraged by today's assurance that you can glorify the Lord simply by being a person of integrity and serving Him with diligent obedience. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Today's program from First Kings is available in its entirety by calling us at 800-634-9165. And for a donation of $5 or more, we'll send you an unedited copy. Just mention today's teaching from First Kings chapters 5 through 8. To further challenge you in ordering your life to honor God, we'd like to offer you Raul's book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil. Exploring how to pinpoint areas of vulnerability to temptation, you'll see that God will always equip you with the trust and strength you need to stand firm in His perfect will. You'll also discover the pivotal importance of daily personal time with the Lord as you seek to develop a stronger commitment to holiness. To order Rawls' book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your copy for a gift of $8 or more. That's 800-634-9165. To order this book by writing us, the mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We're always grateful for your partnership in spreading God's truth through these broadcasts. Thanks so much for your tax-deductible donations. Coming up on the next Somebody Loves You Radio, we'll return to the book of 1 Kings. You'll see that just as the Lord once filled Israel's temple with a cloud of His glory, He can fill you with the glorious beauty and power of His Holy Spirit. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.